Welcome to another installment of Christmas in Quarantine. It's Christmas Past's impromptu miniseries of indeterminate length. Today is day 19 of these daily episodes. It's all about keeping spirits up during these uncertain times. Speaking of which, I hope that you're staying safe and healthy, that you're practicing all of the common sense guidelines, treating this situation with the seriousness it deserves, and taking your advice only from trained medical professionals. Now, today's installment is another trip back to the cartoon specials of the 1980s. Some popular 80s characters seem ready-made for their own special. Garfield? Sure. The Care Bears? Makes perfect sense. But then we have those characters who, while wildly popular, don't exactly put you in mind to deck the halls. Like, for example, He-Man and She-Ra, who come from another planet after all and spend most of their time doing battle with Skeletor and Hordak. But the 80s gonna 80s, and that means that the world did indeed get He-Man and She-Ra a Christmas special, which aired on Christmas Day in 1985. There's a lot to unpack here, so I recruited my friends Mike Westfall from the Advent Calendar House and Tim Babb from Can't Wait for Christmas to take a little moonwalk down memory lane with me. I'll be back at the end to say goodbye. For now, let's go back to 1985 for some muscle-bound Christmas spirit. (laughs) <laughs> so first of all okay he-man how much a part of your childhoods was it he-man i think was the first christmas gift i remember getting when i was four years old so consciously it's always been there whether it's in the background or not on my show at the very end there's a sign off where my dad says that was christmas 1983 that's a video of us opening presents that Christmas. That Christmas, I got a, a Skeletor and Castle Grayskull. Oh, uh, wow. I was huge into He-Man. I had so many He-Men. Like, I loved that show. I was all in it to win it. I remember there being a lot of He-Man stuff in my house, but none of it was mine. And it was the kind of thing, I come from a family of five, I come home from school and the the cartoon would be on, but I can't really remember who turned it on, like who wanted to watch it (laughs) or who got the gifts. I think my youngest brother, who's uh, one of a set of twins, got the Castle Grayskull toy. And that's the one that had the microphone. You could talk into it and it would make the funny voice. Oh, you Um, had no, what he had was Snake Mountain. Snake Mountain. That's where Skeletor Yes, with the yes, yes. <laughs> where it has like the echoey microphone. <laughs> you didn't know the treasure you were sitting on. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what happened to that. But so, yeah, I just remember He-Man being sort of like there, kind of in the same way that Gem in the Holograms was. Like, you know, you're aware of it. It's in the culture. You probably know someone who has a doll or something. But I can't really remember ever saying like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm super into He-Man. Um, and then they were the remember all the knockoff He-Man toys there was like muscle men oh Um, yeah it was kind of like when transformers came out and then the gobots came out you know there's always going to be some (laughs) sort of off-brand he-man but i can't remember if it was muscle men or something else i I don't remember remember what you're talking about i do remember that they were there i couldn't name them for you okay so how do we describe he-man like the world of he-man it's like a medieval fantasy like it's not fantasy like like dragons and stuff but it kind of is no, and it's got sci-fi elements, too, because they're on their own planet. Yeah. Yeah. So if Star Wars and Lord of the Rings had a kid and dumbed it down 1,200%. <laughs> That's about right. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of palace intrigue, right? You know, there's a king and a queen. There's the, uh, I think, like, the, the hairstyle and the style of dress kind of suggests something Lord of the Rings-ish, right? Like, 
medieval or yeah or at least medieval or something like that but Uh, yes they live on on eternia and i didn't know until watching this that he-man's mother was from earth i yes she was a she was a nasa astronaut who crash landed onto eternia decided i want this life now and marries the king of the planet as you do yeah it's kind of like uh isn't spock he's half human his mom is from earth or something like that Yes. I, I was never right. hugely yep. into Star Trek, but I think that that rings a bell. That is 100% correct. So, okay, so this this special is, when it comes <laughs> to 80s cartoon Christmas specials, I, I almost give it a universal free pass. Like, the fact that it has to do with Christmas and the fact that it was produced <laughs> in the 80s is usually enough for me. Um, <laughs> this one kind of tested that a little bit, and here is why. <laughs> Uh, just recently, we did an episode on the Wacky Wall Walkers Christmas special, which oh, did. Oh, yeah. Which um, probably I think I liked less than this one, si- simply because the, the plot was so thin and it was so cheesy and so WTF. Like, why does this thing even exist? Um, <laughs> where this one, it, you feel like you have a better sense of that. But the problem, my main problem is that it's not really a Christmas special all that much. Like Christmas does not play a big role in it. Every now and then they'll come back and kind of mention it or the kids are explaining to Orko how Christmas works. And then at the end, you know, Skeletor gets the Christmas spirit. We're going to get to all of that. But for the most part, it's it's all just, you know, monsters and robots and uh, fairies and mermaids and stuff like that. And then every now and then they'll just remind you, oh, yeah, by the way, remember, you're watching a Christmas special. Um, <laughs> and so this is how it starts out. We have this cold open where we're on Eternia and it's this sort of festive scene where the whole family is decorating. And we find out that the reason that's true is because, um, well, the, the, the queen is explaining to the king what Christmas is. It's an earth holiday. But then they said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to consolidate Christmas and the kids' birthdays. And we're going to have like one big party, right? Well, they say that later, but that's like eventually what that celebration becomes. Right. It's like Adam and what's um, Shira's name when she's not Adora. Shira? Adora, yeah, yeah. Um, because well, you off, adore her. Ah, <laughs> well, okay, so the queen says it reminds her of Christmas. Something her husband of over 20 years has never heard her mention before now. <laughs> if I'm ever stuck on a distant planet and marry its ruler, they're going to find out about Christmas a bit sooner than 20 <laughs> years later. Also, For- He-Man and she are supposed to be around 20, 21 years old right now. That gave me such unreasonable expectation of, of what I would look like when I grow up. <laughs> yeah. And well, how do you, you look like, you didn't look like Adam when you were 21. I sure didn't. Except for the haircut. Look closer to Orko. <laughs> <laughs> but also how do you raise kids into their twenties without one of the parents knowing what Christmas is? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, very festive scene going on. Man at arms is doing his thing. And what was he man's, um, his, the tiger that turned into a bigger tiger when he had cringer. The, cringer. Oh, that was another thing. We had a cringer. You know those um, rocking horses? But it doesn't rock. It's sort of mounted on a frame with springs so you can, like, bounce up and down. Oh, yeah. 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 There you had a, a cringer one? There was a cringer one of those that was in my house. It must have belonged to my youngest brother. It was pretty cool. Why would you want cringer? You'd want Battle Cat. It probably was Battle Cat. So Battle Cat <laughs> yes, is, like, yes. what yeah. cringer turns into. But right. cr- cringer slash Battle Cat is totally absent from the special like he played a big role in the you know the after school episodes like the actual series he's just mm-hmm. 
you see him in Eternia as part of those decorating scenes, but like he doesn't come along for anything. He's just kind of in the background, doesn't have any lines. He just sits there for the whole they show. Were, they were mashing up the, the Shira universe and the He-Man universe. They didn't have time for all the characters. They got them all in the background, though. <laughs> I mean, everybody can't have an arc. We can't have no. yeah. We can't have Cringer's Christmas arc. <laughs> but okay, so here is the looking over all of my notes and having watched it a couple of times. This is a very, very eventful plot. Like a lot <laughs> oh, of yeah. stuff happens, one thing after another. Like it's just so much stuff happens, and I think it's different from a Charlie Brown or the Wacky Wall Walkers in that this was like a one hour special. I mean, it's 44 minutes when you take out the commercials, but this was meant to run over one hour. And so a lot of stuff happens, but it gets almost convoluted uh, at certain points. So, okay, so and we have... Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, if you watch it on YouTube, you will not cut out the commercials because every four seconds it interrupted with an ad. Oh, really? I was like, oh, all right yeah. already. Stamps.com. I get it. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not have that experience. I don't wow. know why that would be true. Maybe I picked the wrong upload. <laughs> Okay, so we have we have our fancy little um, festive decorating party, and then we cut to Adam and Man at Arms are working on a, a spy sky, a sky spy or whatever it is, uh, to spy on Skeletor. And this is what kicks everything off, right? It's just your your classic like, oopsie, what's this button do, right? And then <laughs> Orko <laughs> launches himself into space, and right from there we go to this title sequence. Uh, and, you know, the chase is on. So Skeletor sees that this has happened. He goes chases after the rocket. Adam changes into He-Man. All of this happens within the first couple minutes. I have the power, blah, blah, blah. He goes <laughs> up to try to stop the rocket, but he gets captured by Skeletor. Some, some little tractor beam things come off the ship and kind of uh, capture him temporarily. Then Adora shows up, and then they chase after the spy sky or the sky spy. Um, and then... They have, they escape from Skeletor and they go back home and then Orko is left in the the spies guy and that that's the end of like that's where we get to the first commercial break, so that's yeah, our they, cliffhanger. Now the reason they were able to escape from Skeletor is because Skeletor let the person flying Skeletor's battleship mm -hmm. is a monster with two heads that never agree with each other. Yeah, <laughs> let that guy fly the ship. <laughs> Rookie mistake, Skeletor. So that is our that is our cliffhanger, right? What's going to happen now? Orko is in this ship. Um, he Man, or not He Man? He's still Adam. Well, no, he was He Man, uh, but he was He Man Adora, at this point. Uh, are, are back home. They need to come up with a plan, and we cut to commercial. So now, when we get to the uh, Act Two, Orko has crash landed into Earth. Right? Apparently, that's where their ship was headed, or that's where he pointed it anyway. Um, not really sure how long it took him to get there, or where Eternia is in relation to Earth. In the Wacky Wall Walker special, it's 2,000 years away from their planet to Earth, so maybe we can assume it's, it's a, something similar. But he crash lands and comes across these two children, Miguel and Alicia, who are apparently like just walking out in the woods to get a Christmas tree, like really yeah. far from home. As you do. Uh, yeah, as I you often do. send my kids to just go get a Christmas tree. I'm like, go. <laughs> beyond, in, in the mountains. High as possible. Where avalanches might happen. Just go. Yeah. Figure I it out. Bring it. Haul it home by yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's a hatchet. Uh, I have some fun trivia. I have some fun trivia. Uh, the voice of Miguel is an actor named R.D. Robb, who was also in A Christmas Story. He was Schwartz, who's the kid who issues the triple dog dare. No way. Same kid. 
Yeah. Wow. Look at you with facts. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the only really fun fact I have. But yeah, when we get to the end and they get back to their parents, the dad looks so much like Horatio Sands from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> It was just so before it's time. Like, what is Horatio Sands doing in this? <laughs> okay, so okay, so here, here's basically how this plot is going to play out, right? Like, Orko commandeered this ship by mistake, and then now they have to go get the ship back and get Orko back. So, they, they, you know, back home on Eternia, they're trying to figure out a plan. In the meantime, Orko has come across these kids who are lost, and he, he puts a spell on them to get them out of, like, an avalanche or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Back on Eternia, everyone realizes that Orko is missing. They put the, you know, they piece it all together. So that's what happened. That's why the ship went renegade. Uh, and we're cutting back and forth really quickly, right? So now back on, on Earth, Orko is, um, he brought the kids to the ship and they're teaching him all about Christmas. And they actually have a pretty, pretty good perspective on Christmas for kids. You know, they're just like, well, it's about gifts, but it's also about so much more than that, right? Like Orko seems to be more uh, like, like a kid in this one he's like oh i love presents that's awesome and they're like no no no, don't, don't get carried away it's it's about family and it's about you know spending time with people and celebrating the season and this this is kind of how the plot unfolds for a while it kind of ping pongs back and forth like this like every now and then we'll check in with the kids in orco and they're just like telling him more stuff about christmas but the team but what that- i like is Every time they go to Orco and the kids, like as soon as they're about to explain something that would get into like, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas territory where Linus would start reading from the Bible. That's when they cut away. Yeah. Well, that's what the angels say. What are angels? Well, you see back on Eternia. I noticed that when they cut back to the end. It's like and then the three wise men followed the start of Bethlehem. So we as the audience don't get any of that except for the last bit. (laughs) I totally noticed that, too. Yeah, no, I think that was really wise. Um, by, <laughs> by contrast, in uh, the Wacky Wall Walkers, that, that was the whole plot is these aliens come to Earth and they have to figure out what Christmas is. And, you know, there's this kid who's trying to teach them, but he's just like, oh, it's all about presents. You have to your parents have to get you whatever you want, that kind of thing. So then at the end, they end up at an orphanage where they hear somebody reading the story of the origins of Christmas, like the nativity story. But we hear the first couple lines of that. Then we cut to watching the wall walkers hearing it, but we don't hear it. And then at the end, they conclude, oh, now we get it. Christmas is a celebration of something that happened a long time ago. And like, that's the depth that they go into. And it's sort of like, you know, technically that's the truth, but it doesn't really give us a lot of information. And I kind of felt like this was the same thing where they they were like hinting at the stuff, but but cutting away just in time to like not, you know, get overly religious about it. Or even say the word Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't do that. OK, so the team back on Eternia now figures out, OK, if we're going to get the ship back, we need to get a crystal. Um <laughs> And the only way that you can do that is to go to that uh, mermaid oracle woman and Adora is going to go handle it. But she's got to turn into She-Ra first and then get on her awesome unicorn horse with the <laughs> with the rainbow wings and the helmet. And what is that horse's name? I love that horse. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, blanking to the Internet. <laughs> and it has a voice that is like way deeper than a unicorn's voice should be. When it talks, it's like swift wind. Swift wind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Shira does her thing and she gets on her unicorn 
And she goes and consults this mermaid named Mermista, who has this like Russian gypsy accent. You know, I will find the crystal for you, Shira. Right? <laughs> that, is that pretty much it? Like, okay, so I she... think so. I remembered it as a French accent, but it's some like it's somewhere in Europe. She, yeah, give the give the mermaid queen from a distant planet a European accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, you, we need to go wait, get wait, the. She didn't just give him the crystal. Like she said, you had to go to. You the... have to go to the beast monster. Yeah, the, yes, the, it's in a palace the house, guarded by yeah, the, the palace of the sea monster or whatever. And then she <laughs> she shows up, goes, oh, I guess nobody's home. And then the beast monster comes out and she says, literally surprised, the beast monster <laughs> is the name of the place you went. <laughs> Why are you surprised? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> like I went to Tim's house. Tim! <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot of uh, thinking out loud. We've got to get away from that beast vest <laughs> or he's going to get us. So, OK, so they go uh, together, apparently. I mean, they can't go together because she is on her uh, flying horse and Mermista is a mermaid. So I think like Mermista swims over there and, and she flies over there. They get there together and she goes to get the gem. And then all of a sudden the Beastmaster comes out. They say, oh, no, it's the beast master or the, the beast monster. And then Mermista comes out of the water. It's like, OK, you know, I made it. Uh, I'm going to distract the beast monster while you get the crystal. That's pretty much it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then Shira now has the crystal. But there's another problem. Again, very eventful plot. Right. Like you don't get a moment's rest. So no. they defeat the beast master. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of robots come out of the ground. Monstroids. Monstroids. And this is another Talk one. About where... brand Transformers. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, no. Did you notice what they did here? Shira kind of made a point to explain that the monstroids were evil robots that can change shape. The makers of He-Man toys would like you to know that robots <laughs> that transform are bad. <laughs> they're not even gobots. They're no-bots. <laughs> but it, they were definitely transforming robots. Um, oh, yeah. But did they transform like from a like a anthropomorphic robot to a vehicle or just like from one kind of robot to another kind of robot? Like one kind of machine to another. I can't really remember. Yeah, that. no, they just transformed into a different kind of robot. They changed shape is the yeah. way that they put it. They didn't really well, transform I mean, one of them sort of looked like a vehicle, but the other one, when it flew away, it just looked like it was lying flat on its stomach. Like it still had arms and hands and a face. I'm like, what? What changed? You just I'm laid a down. hoverboard now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, OK, so now we've arrived at our second major cliffhanger, right? That's when the commercial break comes so, you know, first Orko is left stranded. Second, now it looks like uh, She-Ra is in danger. Cut to commercial. And with these old 80s Christmas specials on YouTube, I always wish that they put in the commercials. Because, like, that is just as much a part of the nostalgia. Because um, clearly, like, someone just uploaded their VHS copy. So there's going to be that commercial with, like, the kid who goes ice skating and no one wants to skate with him. And then Ronald McDonald comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> remember the one that was... Um, it might have been for Campbell's soup, like some snowman comes walking into a house and eats some yep. soup and then the, the yep. snowman melts and then it's a kid. That one was a little later. I want to say late 80s, early 90s. But what is yeah, some, that sticks with some classic 80s commercials. Oh, yeah. Christmas. Um, Merry Christmas from Payless. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. That was that. only a West Coast thing. <laughs> we had Payless no, no, on the East Payless. Coast, but I, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember that. Oh, see, this oh, is too early for skull. like the ones I really remember, like Fruity Pebbles and Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, they came oh, on yeah. Those are the Barney, my pebbles. Oh, oh, oh I'm uh, hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but this was before that. So I'm thinking um, usually you get there was like a Toys R Us commercial with like oh. tiny baby Jenny Lewis. 
Yeah, there was the I don't want to grow up on a Toys R Us kid. And that mm-hmm. was the it was a cartoon version of that. Um, um, and like then M and M's, but there was a sleigh. Well, there was also the Hershey Kiss. You know, the iconic one where the kisses are playing like handbells. Oh um, yeah, but I think that might have been like a much later eighties. Yeah, one. that was way later. Okay, well, I guess that was our little theater of the imagination commercial <laughs> break. <laughs> but we have to get back to Shira. So we come back and we just pick right up where we left off. Like Shira has been uh, captured by the monstroids, and this is another thinking aloud. Like we've got to get away from these monstroids. Um, and probably the most action-packed sequence in the whole special is when Shira escapes uh, with her sword and, for no apparent reason. Uh, other than gratuitous violence, a roundhouse kick. So remember, like, she's encased <laughs> in this bubble that she breaks out with her sword and then just, like, does this dope 360 roundhouse <laughs> kick and just, like, breaks out of it. And then... That's just to show off that She-Ra is way better of a hero than He-Man ever was. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree on that and definitely has better transportation. Absolutely. So, okay, That's so... because He-Man wasn't allowed to punch anybody. Is that right? Yeah. He no, never punched... Much another sentient being in any of his cartoons. No, he always like lifted them up and just threw them a mile because they were one of the first, uh, cartoons that was essentially just a commercial for the toy. And so they knew the FCC was going to be watching them closely. So he only ever punched robots or threw people in a lake. Yeah. There was a lot of throwing here and a lot of just like breaking, um, like restraints put on other characters. Okay. Well, anyway, so I guess She-Ra, She-Ra can kick. Yeah. So, well, like, oh, but only an inanimate object. Take that, inanimate object. Yeah. yeah. You're a robot. <laughs> I think she was encased in some kind of, like, orb, right? She was, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. And that's what she used her sword on. I think the sword became hot, and she sliced through it and then kicked out uh, the an opening for herself. So anyway, she she now has the crystal. <laughs> she brings it back. Man-at-arms, like, okay, you know, according to my calculations, this crystal should do something. Uh, which it does. And so now they they can find the ship. And now we cut back to Earth, where Orko and the kids um, get accidentally transported back to Eternia, right? Because the crystal was to get the ship back. So the ship takes off, flies back to Eternia. But the problem is, like, the kids are still in it. So, you know, now what are we going to do? Um, and so this is where it just becomes almost like Star Wars. Like, as the kids are flying to Eternia... We get, is it a Hordak? No, not Hordak. Um, Horde Prime. Horde Prime, yeah. And the, I we didn't just, know that was a thing until this. Like, I didn't know Skeletor had a boss. Yeah. I don't think it I, I was, was a middle thing management. until this. I think this is where they introduced Horde Prime. Oh, okay. And so he's not from the comics or anything? He might have been. But we never <laughs> but, see him. We only hear his voice. We see this um, this kind of scene where there's this green glowing stuff in the atmosphere, and we just hear this voice being like, you know, there's a disturbance in the force kind of thing. Um, yeah. Don't we see his fist at one point, Inspector Gadget style? Do we? Oh, I like, think um, so, yeah. But that's it. So anyway, he wants to get those guys, and so he dispatches not only Skeletor but Hordak. And so now Skeletor and Hordak are sort of competing for this while... They're trying to keep the kids safe. So, yeah, what happens now? <laughs> Again, very right. eventful. This Horde Prime dis- Horde- uh, promised a reward to whoever brings back these children who are bringing good cheer to their galaxy. Mm-hmm. And Hordak and Skeletor are competing each other like they're the worst married couple who suddenly found themselves <laughs> on opposing teams on yep. game night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a lovely analogy. So this is when the kids show up on Eternia and the queen is like, oh, hey, you know, we have some kids here. 
And they're saying like, oh, you know, I think we're going to miss Christmas. And so the queen says, no, no, here's what we'll do. We'll just make Christmas and the kids' birthdays one big celebration. So you, you get to celebrate it. And then by the time the ship is fixed, you can get back home. Everything's cool. So they say, um, okay, that sounds pretty <laughs> good, right? Uh, and so then we cut to this weird montage where they are outside where there's some pixie who's made it into springtime for them and this like shirtless dude playing a lute, uh, playing <laughs> his new Christmas song. And this is, like, I think, the one musical number in the whole uh, special where they're singing this brand new Christmas song that they made. And then they remind that pixie person that, oh, no, actually, it's better if it's winter. So then she casts a spell and everything becomes winter. I've seen this special twice in the last two days. I could not sing a note of that Christmas song. No, I mean, it is that unmemorable. No, I don't know if it's unmemorable or if my mind is like, delete. Delete. Your mind is deleting, and I will not be singing it for you. So (laughs) I appreciate it. You want to go look it up? Go find the special, y'all. So, okay, so. And this this is another thing that happens a lot in this special. Like one thing's happening just all of a sudden, just someone shows up out of nowhere. This is going to happen a couple times, and this is one of them. Uh, Hordak in, in Katra. So Katra is the pilot of his, his ship. You know, she's the one. She kind of has like a lizard voice. Like every S is a little too S-y. Yeah. Uh, so they show up all, you know, out of nowhere, and they capture the kids uh, and it also captures Orko. So, okay, so now they're they're kidnapped again. And this is pretty much how the plot unfolds, right? Like, they just keep having to go get the kids. Um, but now they don't know where to get them. So they have to go discuss things with the, another oracle named Peekaboo. And Peekaboo has sort of like, you know, second sight or x-ray vision, can see the unseen, that kind of thing. But while that's happening, the monstroids intercept Hordak's crew and they take the kids. Now, I was they want the why they wanted the kids. They want the reward from Horde Prime. Everybody's in for what oh. this, like, unnamed reward that Horde Prime is going to promise whoever brings them these children. Right. I thought they were going to attack Horde Prime when they he came to get the oh, kids. Oh, you know I'm what? Like, well, then what yeah, do you yeah, want yeah, the kids yeah. for? You're right. You just want... I think just he's luring meaning Horde to Prime adopt? To like, what yeah, is with... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But anyway, so now they have the kids. As bait. And Peekaboo sees this, she, but they're like, okay, but don't worry. The, the man-sheens are going to save them. <laughs> so we cut to Orko and the kids, like, just like they're in a jail cell somewhere. I don't know where they were taken to, but they're like just somewhere where they could be imprisoned. And this man-sheen shows up and says, yeah, don't worry. Like the, um, the, the other guys, they're our enemies. And so we're going to get you out of here. And they, they do. And it's very temporary. Like, okay, you know. All of us machines, we're going to be on the run from the other robots, uh, but then they get captured again, like in pretty short order, right? Their freedom yeah. is very short-lived. They get captured again, and then now we're at another cliffhanger, and then we go to another commercial break. Yeah, these kids are pretty tolerant of what's going. Like they like. <laughs> An alien has shown up using magic to levitate them after they've just missed being killed by an avalanche. Then they've been transported to another planet. Well, now they see that there are flying unicorns and magic wizards. Then there are machines that can transform and talk. And then more machines that break them out. And they're just rolling with the punches. Like, well, yeah, it's Tuesday. You know what I mean? Time for machines and other planets. This is an emotional roller coaster. For like, these my dad I, sent me out to bring a Christmas tree back to the house. <laughs> like a real kid would be melting down, right? Like, what? <laughs> so the Manchines are also robots, but they're smaller. These like cute little robots. And it's a miracle they didn't make them as collectible figures. There are mm. no Manchine toys. And that blows my mind. 
especially considering how many of them we see in this special. Yeah, Unfortunately, wonder... none of them are voiced by Martin Sheen or Charlie Sheen. <laughs> that Missed opportunity. <laughs> but so what are the Mansheens, like, what is their deal? They, they're really small. They're a lot smaller than the Monstroids. They apparently, like, can move, right? Like, some of them are, like, vehicular. You can, you know, ride them. Some of them are just more, one of them is, is like a dog. Um, the dog, one of them has scissors on his head. Yeah, there's just that's, this mishmash yeah. of, of machine people, and you don't really know what their deal is. Like they they just show up to help break the kids out, and that's pretty much it. That that is it. I mean, they were one Mattel execs fever dream come to life, <laughs> and that was the '80s. <laughs> I could totally see them being like a like a prize in a in a Happy Meal or something like that. <laughs> I know it's a miracle they didn't make that in the toys. Like in the '80s. It did not take much for if something was marginally popular, you would have your own breakfast cereal. You'd have a Saturday morning cartoon. You'd have a full <laughs> line of merchandise. There'd probably be um, like a record or a tape. Like I remember, remember when wrestling was super popular and they had you could yeah. buy uh, like a WWF rink um, or ring. And then they had the rubber figures. And we had a Hulk oh, Hogan. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you threw it, it would do a flip because, you know, the, the toes were springy. But then also there was this Hulk Hogan tape where he was singing this song called Real American. And it came with a bunch of like Hulk Hogan uh, exercises. Like these, this was just a decade where they really figured out how to milk every merchandising oh, yeah. opportunity possible. They had, the, they had the rock and wrestling Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. But do you remember they also had that, uh, they put out an album. The WWF put out an album. The wrestling album or the WrestleMania album? No, WrestleMania, the album came later, but something like that. Where, it was that, where they sang, um, yeah. like, Tutti Frutti and, and Mean Gene Okerlund <laughs> sang a verse Tutti, Tutti Frutti. Frutti. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was yeah. definitely not in that scene, so I did not know. I This all passed me by. But you were more of a wrestling fan, Mike? I was for a bit, and then again in the 90s, and then uh, recently I kind of come back in like every year or so i was supposed to go to wrestlemania this year in tampa but uh that's not happening yeah oh the 80s what do we have now just taylor swift like there's, there's nothing <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's one direction there's nothing like it. we don't even have cat saturday morning cartoons anymore now we have people streaming on youtube playing video games and people yeah. are going to be well, nostalgic for that in 20 years I mean, the kids love it. They put out like whole seasons of cartoons on Netflix now. They actually have a new She-Ra series. And a new He-Man is coming soon. Really good. Better than this, absolutely. Like my kids have watched the new She-Ra. Well, that, spoiler alert for uh, Final Judgments or whatever, that is a low bar. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I have to say the the quality of animation on this was was not bad, at least compared to some of the other ones I saw. Like, you know, the artwork was pretty good. The um, like the frame rate was pretty good. It it didn't have that really cheesy, quickly thrown together feel to it. It looked like they put it actually reminded me a lot of the Transformers cartoons, at least in terms like the the quality of the backgrounds. This is a studio that was called Filmation, and they did everything in-house. They didn't outsource any animation. So I think that had a lot to do with the quality of it. Okay, so we're almost in the home stretch here. Just two more acts. Uh, the act four is pretty short. So the kids were captured again by the monstroids. And then all of a sudden, He-Man shows up and he fights them. And, you know, like you were saying before, Tim, he doesn't really fight them. It's more like they try to capture him. He breaks free. He picks them up and throws them. He's doing a little Well, because they were robots, he could punch them. But I thought he, I saw him like hoist a couple of them. Well, he definitely like threw one and it hit a bunch and it hit a bunch of other ones and it made like the bowling ball noise like when you get a strike or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a pretty classic uh, <laughs> cartoon sound effect. 
Okay, so then he's doing all that. Then, you know, She-Ra comes flying out of the sky. She joins the fight. More Manchines show up, right? Things are looking pretty good. Um, but then all of a sudden, now Skeletor shows up. So this is just a lot of like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Skeletor shows up. Now he kidnaps the kids. And She-Ra tries to chase after him, but Skeletor traps the horse in some kind of like rock formation so that the horse can't escape. Everyone's trapped. Skeletor makes off with the kids. And that's and about it. And they crash land. Yes. Is this when they crash land somewhere snowy? Yes, because Skeletor runs off with the kids. And now, again, Hordak shows up out of nowhere and shoots down oh, that's right. their vehicle. So in like, And all of this happens in like three minutes. Just like people just showing up out of nowhere. Like all these <laughs> plot threads just converging really, really quickly. So then Hordak shoots down Skeletor's ship. Now that it's him and the two kids and one of the Mansheens, who's like a little dog who was trapped with them. Right. Oh, yes. They land in the snow, and this is where the kids finally break down. They're just like, I'm freezing. And Skeletor's like, ah, oh, but you have to come with me. And the Alicia just collapses. She's just like, I can't. I just can't. She just faints on the ground. And that's when Skeletor starts to have his little transformation where... He feels charitable, but he hates the fact that he feels charitable. But he uses a spell and puts jackets on the kids. And then they say, oh, hey, thanks. You're awesome. Like, you're really nice. I am not nice. I am not (laughs) nice. Don't call me nice. (laughs) And it's just five more minutes of that. It's like, I am not kind. I am not wonderful. So I went on IMDb and I was looking up who does the voices. And, you know, you always try to match. Does the face and the name kind of match? And the the guy who does He-Man... It's like this old cowboy movie guy. <laughs> Do you, is it someone that you were familiar with, Mike? Uh, yeah, just because I've done this on my show before. So I have a whole list of all the voice casts. This is a part of the show that I do. So He-Man is John Irwin. Uh, the one thing that I think you might also remember him from, he was the voice of the cat from the Nine Lives cat food commercials. Oh. Oh. Morris? You know what I recognized him from? He-Man. In Back to the Future 2, Biff is listening to a baseball yes. game. <laughs> That's He's the radio voice. announcer of that game. Yes. <laughs> that old Biff turns on to prove to new Biff that this almanac is legit. And that's when I was like, wow, I really was not a big, like He-Man, like of the things that I was super into as a kid, He-Man has clearly not made the transition to, you know, you know, kept a place in my heart like other things from my childhood, like Star Wars and other things like that. Because I'm like, oh, that's the Back to the Future guy who literally had one line. Like <laughs> that's what I remember him from, as opposed to this gigantic series that he had for years that I watched right. religiously. Uh, it's pretty amazing but, how different he sounds when he's Adam versus He Man. It's like when you turn on the reverb, uh, he really, really sounds a lot more mighty and heroic. Yeah, they did something to his voice where they like they brought it up a few pitches, so it sounds all distorted. They did it to both uh, He-Man and to She-Ra, which sounds even more, Adora sounds like super squeaky. But with Adam, I think it's more noticeable and more kind of disturbing even. Yeah, a little bit. But the voice of Skeletor and of Man-at-Arms is Alan Oppenheimer. And he was a bunch of voices in the never-ending story, including Falcor, which is my favorite fact out of all of these. And Hordak, now that we're talking about Back to the Future, the voice of Hordak is George Jacenzo, which is Marty's grandfather who hits him with the car. Oh. Oh, really? He's an idiot. Parents are probably idiots. <laughs> that guy. So we end our last um, act with Skeletor is just like, I'm not nice, and we pretty much cut to commercial. Yeah. So now we come to the, the, the dramatic conclusion where we, we pick up where we left off. The kids are explaining Christmas to Skeletor, and Skeletor... <laughs> 
you know, it becomes almost like an Abbott and Costello routine. Like, oh, you know, it's awesome. It's like, oh, because everything's terrible. And it's like, no, because it's great. And it's like, oh, I don't like when things are great. I like when they're terrible. So would it be terrible for me? You know, fights are like, fun. I like fights. Yeah, exactly. And then new character, a snow beast appears, you know, just out of nowhere. It's just like, oh, yeah. Lots and lots of just sudden appearances of things that you wouldn't have imagined. <laughs> You know, that wasn't even like set up earlier, like, oh, we better watch out for snow beasts. It was just like a snow beast shows up out of nowhere and Skeletor protects the kids um, from the snow beast. And that makes the kids like Skeletor even more. They think he's super nice. Mm-hmm. Everything's starting to look like, I don't know, maybe Skeletor is going to be cool after all. Um, but before any of that, Hordak and He-Man and She-Ra, everyone shows up at the same time to try to take the kids. And this becomes like the final climactic val- um, battle. So all interested parties in these kids <laughs> are present. They all just showed up out of nowhere. They're all going to fight. Uh, Hordak knocks Skeletor down, right? He, he gets like knocked out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Horde Prime shows up. Everyone's fighting st- still. Horde Prime now is about to capture the kids. So his little tractor arms are coming down from the ship. But just then, the dog licks Skeletor's face. <laughs> and wait, this is sort of like, you know, kissing Sleeping Beauty, right? The dog. Well, it's a dog, it, it, and Skeletor's face is a big old bone. <laughs> that's all that was. No, gave him a puppy lick, and that's what makes Skeletor's heart grow three sizes. <laughs> so then he realizes he has to make a, a crucial decision: Do I want the money, or do I want the um, do I want to save the kids? Right? He's like these two conflicting interests but in the he gets the christmas spirit and decides to shoot down horde prime ship which creates all kinds of other problems for him down the road right he just shoots his boss's ship down so he may have won the battle but not the war so then he-man and she-ra throw horde prime ship into orbit right they both pick it up and just throw it so far that it leaves the planetary orbit and just flies away (laughs) As you do. And then the kids run up to Skeletor and like, oh, Skeletor, you're the best, you know. Thank you so much for saving us. And then who says it? I think it's uh, He-Man. It's like, well, I think you're feeling the Christmas spirit, Skeletor. (laughs) And then uh, don't worry, Skeletor. Christmas only comes once a year. Thank goodness. Yeah, so they're all together where Skeletor um, has saved the kids and He-Man and She-Ra are the only ones left, right? Because Hordak and Horde Prime are are gone at this point. So it's just the, the two of them or three of them standing with the kids. And then He-Man says, I think you've got the Christmas spirit. And Skeletor's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, don't get used to it. And then we cut from that scene. But, like, when scenes like that cut, I always kind of like, well, what happened if they didn't cut away from that? So, uh, <laughs> guess you'll go guess that way. I'll go, I guess we're walking home, or... <laughs> guess Wanna I'll... split a cab, or yeah. how are we doing this? Uh... See, you, see you around, Skeletor. <laughs> now we end up back in Eternia. Everything's gonna sort of tie up some loose ends. Uh, Adam is, he's not He-Man anymore. He's back to being Adam. He's dressed up as Santa Claus. And what a disguise, by the way. No, no I couldn't tell. <laughs> like, at all. People think Clark Kent Superman is bad. Like, he literally just changes clothes. Like, there's nothing different about him whatsoever. Yeah. He got uh, a white wig that was the exact shape of his actual hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just a beard. They, they say, okay, kids, you can go home now. But before you go, how about we give you these belts that let you fly? And like, uh, okay, I'll take those. And that was pretty much it. Just presented without context. Here are some belts that allow you to levitate. Go back home. And they got to keep the coats from Skeletor. Yeah. So they go back home and they're telling, you know, their parents, like mom and Horatio Sands, what just happened to them. And <laughs> parents are just like, oh, okay. Uh, 
we don't believe you. And they say, okay, well, fine. You don't have to believe us, but we're just going to like fly into our bedrooms now, if you don't mind. Pardon us. We're just going to tap these levitation belts and fly. Good night, Dad. <laughs> the parents let it go awfully easily. Like, clearly they've been gone several hours. And they, and when they show back up, they're like, where were you? Oh, there was aliens and this and that. <laughs> okay, well, clearly you made that up. But we won't press for any more details. Go to bed. Like that, no parent has ever just let it drop right there. Like, oh, what happened? Nonsense. Oh, okay, must be something legit then. Go to bed. Was this all supposed to have taken place over like one day or it seems like hope so. It seems like this is much too much to have happened in one day. But anyway, and and that is pretty much the whole story. At some point, everyone says Merry Christmas. And and that is it. So as a Christmas special, I don't think this is a very Christmassy Christmas special. Like they mention it a couple times and they mention it when is when it's convenient Right. Because Mm -hmm. Skeletor has to get the Christmas spirit in order to uh, save the kids. And I think they have to mention it when the kids show up on Eternia and the queen is like, "Okay, we'll we'll combine Christmas in the birthday celebration. Uh, I'm not really sure why that was necessary. I think it was just to sort of keep Christmas in the story. But otherwise, there's really you know, you don't really see too many Christmas trees or Christmas decorations. There's just not a lot of Christmas. It is a standard He-Man, Shira battling robots kind of special where just every now and then they mention Christmas. I feel like it's three or four half-baked plot ideas that they just crammed into one and then sprinkled Christmas on the top of it and said, call it a day. I'm punching out. That is pretty much it. Because this is just far too many plot threads and far too many, (laughs) just like, you know, all these different interests. And really, if there's one character, if there's one central character who has an arc, it's Skeletor. But he's actually a pretty (laughs) insignificant character in the story like he shows up and he's he's part of the events but he's not really a main character but he's the one who transforms the most other than that it was really just how do we fill an hour (laughs) all right i wrote the part in about the uh, sea monster great what are we at now 22 minutes ah all right what if there's some transforming machines in there what why would we have to just write it okay we're up to 30 (laughs) minutes Ah! but like every true 80s cartoon we do have that moment at the end well orco what did you learn today i learned that i like presents (laughs) oh that's right yeah this little tag after the last commercial it was the same sort of vibe as this adam tells us not everyone celebrates christmas but the spirit of caring and goodwill is within all of us and then orco says something like but presents are great too Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out the show notes for links to Advent Calendar House and Can't Wait for Christmas, as well as the cartoon itself. And please do join me again tomorrow for another dose of Christmas in Quarantine. Until then, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. You can drop me a line anytime, and I'd love it if you did, by writing to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you haven't yet joined the Christmas Past private Facebook group, well, maybe today's the day you will. And if you're enjoying these daily episodes, I have a feeling you have people in your life who could also use a little Christmas spirit nowadays. So why not help more people discover this show? It's as simple as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. These are both quick and painless ways to show your support, and they really do make a big difference in helping the Christmas Past family to grow. So if you do leave that review on Apple Podcasts, I'll even send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card as my way of saying thanks. You can message me for details about that. I'll see you again tomorrow, and until then, stay safe and healthy, look out for one another, and may your days be merry and bright.